Hello everyone and welcome to the latest Scotswayhe podcast with Scottish Opera and this is the eighth of these that we've done and today I'm talking to the music librarian Gordon Grant. Hello Gordon. Hello, how are you doing? And I should mention that we're at the Scottish Opera's headquarters in Elmbank Crescent and in the background you may hear some lovely background music which gives it a genuine touch I think absolutely. <laughs> Um, so the first thing I want to ask you is, I didn't really realise that there was such a role as music librarian in uh, a, for Scottish Opera, so you tell us a little bit about your role. Yeah, well, the music librarian, um, it's quite a broad role, um, but in the most basic terms, any music that's performed at Scottish Opera um, comes through the library, so it's my job to either... Um, buy the parts, hire them, or source them from various other libraries, create them myself in the library, um, and then tailor them to each individual production that we put on. So, See, already that's much more than I thought that they were going <laughs> So it's really different from um, a, being a librarian where basically you're, you know, you're um, lending things out. This is more about collating um, scores and then adapting them to individual Yes, yes. So um, as a byproduct of, of doing this work, we do have quite a lot of books in this room yeah. that we're in. So it does look like a library, but it, yeah. that's really as far as um, being a librarian part of it goes. You know, there's no, not uh, any stamping of books or telling people to be quiet, really. It's, it's not that kind of librarian. Um, so... Where do you actually source the, the scores from? I mean, it, and does it depend on what's coming up? And do you keep the ones that you have scored? There's a three triple uh, part question. Um, well, it absolutely depends on what's coming up and it depends on the opera, really. I mean, for some operas, you have um, different editions available. Yeah. So a conductor might prefer um, a different set of parts to the previous conductor. There might be different versions of that opera. You know, they might have been... Um, Don Giovanni, for example, there's the um, Prague version, which was the first version, right. and then the Vienna version, which came afterwards, that had two extra numbers added to it. So um. again, it's it's um, talking to the conductor, the director, um, to find out what exact version they want to do, and then even within an individual version, there might be they might want to reorder some of the numbers, they yeah. might want to cut some of them, they might want to. Um, some of the singers might want to transpose some of the numbers up to a higher key if they don't um, feel they're getting enough high notes or if they're getting too many higher notes, they want to move it down a key or two. So, I think so this is fascinating because it's almost like getting to the real secrets in, in mm. the opera company is that I think a lot of people, or maybe it's just myself, would think there's a set... Just like there's often a set text in theatre, yes, there may be improvisations made, but on the whole, people mm. stick to that text. But actually, there's much more fluidity, or there's more fluidity in the opera? Um, yeah, well, there for certain pieces, um, for example, Tosca that, that yeah. we're doing is a very easy one for me because it's, it's a standard opera and we've done it so many times. So that involved me going down to the basement and... Uh, <laughs> digging up the parts which we keep down there and putting them on the music stand so there wasn't too much involved right. for me but usually kind of Mozart operas earlier ones handle there's a bit more flexibility in it because of um, I guess because it's more it's not it's not so much a sort of through opera that 
the Puccini is, where it's you know you've got it's all in one act. It's more like a piece uh, it's, of theatre. It's it's more like you know you have an aria, then a little bit of right. uh, reset or dialogue or something, and then another aria. So there's more scope there to move things about, and directors have different ideas how to interpret it. But and as far as I understand it, the current Tosca that's on is a reprisal of one which Scottish Opera had done previously. Yes, so it premiered in 1980, and we've been using the same orchestral parts since then or even before actually I don't really know how old they are so um, the orchestra have played these parts at least a uh, hundred times so, yeah. so it's all their markings that are in the parts and so they're very comfortable with them just being put out on the on the uh, music stands in the pit ready for them to start playing from So when an opera company um, does an opera is it always written down? I mean, is, is it there for other people to use or to get? Um, so where we can, we always buy the parts. So the, they're ours and we keep them right. um, for a record. Um, it's more complicated when we do more modern work, um, such as Nixon in China that we're doing next, which is still in copyright. And um, ah, a piece remains in copyright until um, 70 years after both the composer and the librettist have died. Um, and that means that you can only hire them and so right. um, there's a lot more restrictions on what we can do with we can't we can't you know radically alter the music without right. without um, the composer's permission or the publisher's oh, permission that's fascinating so um, so even when you uh, say for the older ones even when you you buy the score in mm-hmm. then you can sit down I presume collaborating with many other areas in the, yeah, in the yeah. company yeah. and say this is how we're going to adapt this or change this or yeah that. so initially I have to sit down with the um, or have a conversation with the conductor and the director or, or that information is fed to me um, of the exact version that we're doing and then when I have that information um, I need to create several different types of scores really so um, we have the full score which is uh, every single orchestral line so all the instruments are on the one page with the vocal lines and that's what the conductor would would use so they've got every information of every line in front of them Um, we also have the vocal score which Mm -hmm. the singers use which are the vocal lines and then all the instrumental lines are condensed into a piano part so it makes it much easier for them to work from and it's also what the repetitors Mm -hmm. use uh, in rehearsals to play from what stage management use to read in their scores and generally what everyone works from it's a kind of shorthand score so many people get hands on yeah. this because it has to kind of go round. Has to be the same for everyone. Everyone yeah. has to know. So, for instance, in the role of the stage manager, they have to know when the changes are made because it changes when people will yeah. have to be on stage. Yeah. Like um, the other thing that we need to um, make uh, make sure is um, consistent across all the parts are, are how. Um, we navigate through the score, so some scores um, have bar numbers. So each the start of each line, you have the, the bar numbers are counted. Uh, some scores don't have those, but have uh, figure numbers, so they'll be labelled A, B, C uh, right. at kind of regular intervals throughout the score. And um, you need to be careful that everyone's working from the same edition because mm-hmm. because for Tosca, for example, there's a couple of different editions, some of which have bar numbers. 
some of which have figure numbers. So if we right. get to rehearsal and we go, go from figure Z and singers don't have that, then there's a lot of scrambling around to try and, you know, work out where you both are. So is that kind of you, one of your responsibilities, yeah. really? Yeah. Because, you know, if another version, that unf- I mean, I know how my bookshelves mm-hmm. are, sometimes the wrong thing gets in the wrong place. Yeah. And then, you know, they someone doesn't realise that yeah. they've got a different edition. So part of, part of my job is right, right um, when, the, when the opera is uh, first planned, um, is confirming what edition that the singers will be using, yeah. um, whether we'll be provided, if it's a specific... Um, edition that we are creating in the library uh, we, we need to make sure that uh, the singers know that and don't um, start learning a different version yeah. they might have extra music in it or music in the wrong place um, so a completely different opera a, a completely different <laughs> opera a different opera with the same name <laughs> um, but uh, so yes it's a, it's a long process and you know we st- we're, we're start working on shows um, right right as soon as they're planned mm. um, so um, at the moment um, I'm doing work on uh, shows for next year yeah. for the following year wow um, and, and just getting the groundwork in place for those so but with something that's going on just now like I mean we'll come on to an, another role that you do in a minute but um, you still have to be involved with the current as well as thinking about yeah. what's going ahead yeah so um, I kind of think of it in sort of three time zones that I, I work on the show that we're doing immediately. Um, yeah. So, for example, at the moment, I'm working on uh, Eris, which is a concert that we're doing next mm-hmm. couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I'm working on shows that are coming up for the rest of the season into next season. And then also we're doing sort of um, budgeting work and preparatory work for even further ahead, so right, right into, I think we're working on stuff up to 2021 at the moment. Wow. Um, but yes, for the shows that we're working on at the moment, um, I go to all of the orchestra rehearsals um, mm-hmm. until they have played through everything once and I'm on hand just to make sure that all the parts are okay, there's no problems. So things that usually come up are um, page turns where the players don't have enough time to turn the page oh, before, really? they, so before they play again explain because I know people have always that's something that you see if you mm. go to a, a concert or, a, or the opera is that when the page turns and if that's at the wrong or a difficult place yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so sometimes they normally um, obviously try and put the page turns where the players aren't playing yeah we're taking um, a breath or but, but um, parts that are maybe less well thought out don't always uh, put them in the best place, so really um, I will get a sort of hand appearing um, <laughs> in the middle of the rehearsal, and I need to go and uh, go and sort it out quickly. Um, so there's usually lots of photocopying involved, and uh, uh, right. sort of blue Peter sticky tape, and uh, <laughs> and making sort of folds and things like that. So, so what it looks like by the end of the process is very different to what yeah, it's like at the yeah, beginning. Yeah. And and changes crop up in rehearsals and mm. um, that they need to be in place for the for the next rehearsal. So, up until the the opening right night, really changes are taking place. And you know, you said about going down to the basement to get um, the Tosca. Uh, are the is everything then catalogued and, and kept for yes. possible future reference? Yes. And so yeah, we tr- we try and keep um, as much as we can just in case um, the show is revived. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we have 
parts going right back to the start of Scottish Opera, really. That's yeah, I mean, it's a nice um, library to have in that mm. sense. Kind of yeah, and we have, we have uh, we're on. lucky to have um, a lot of Alexander Gibson's scores, who's yeah, the founder right. of Scottish Opera, so yeah. his, uh, his widow donated all of his wow. personal scores to us, which are hidden away in a safe place. So that's interesting to see exactly what, you know, if, if a conductor's doing Tosca, for example, they can go back and see how he did it. Um, so if they say we're going to do something and Scottish Opera have never done this before in fact it's rarely been done something quite rare mm-hmm. how, how does I mean is that an exciting proposition it is exciting I mean there's well I suppose there's two two different routes for for a rare opera there's a little bit of investigation work to find out what editions are available and um, and how we would source these parts, but I guess um, over the past couple of years we've had operas that no one has done before because we've commissioned them and, yeah. and they're newly written, so that's quite exciting yeah. to, to create parts ourselves in the library um, from from what the composer is directly giving to us. Wow! Um, so that's that's ex- you know that's exciting to create a work that's never been heard before. So. How did you come to this job? What was what's the background? Um, so I think if you did a poll of opera librarians, I mean, there's not very many of us <laughs> in the country, but I think if you asked all of us, none of us would say that this was the career that we expected to end up in. That most of us have fallen into it through some sort of sideways route. Yeah. Um, so um, I suppose when I left school. Um, I was good at music all through school, but when I was at the point of choosing what um, university course to do, I um, I knew I didn't want to be a music teacher, and right. I knew I probably was not ever going to end up playing in an orchestra. So at that point, I was naive enough to not know what the point of doing a music degree would be. Right. So I decided to... Uh, do something completely different and uh, did forensic chemistry. Wow. Um, <laughs> Who'd have never. So something completely unrelated and I um, I did that for a year and a half at Strathclyde right. and while I was there my violin teacher um, was doing this job. They, they were the music librarian at Scottish Opera and had asked me to come in and do some little bits and pieces, oh, some photocopying, yeah. and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And I um, I probably shouldn't say this, but I missed quite a lot of classes at university <laughs> and came and worked here instead because it was much more interesting and eventually decided that um, I, I should probably be doing a music degree. Um that's one of the healthier reasons for bunking off yeah, university classes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, I worked here solidly for about uh, a year, and it was a proper apprenticeship. Really, yeah. it was uh, um, it was really good learning it from the ground up. Really, and then I went down to Leeds and did a music degree right. there for three okay. years, and then uh, when I came back here. Um, with timings and things working out, I did a few other jobs at Scottish Opera, and then my um, predecessor uh, moved elsewhere, and they asked me to cover the job because mm-hmm. I was the only person that had worked in the Experience library. It, yeah. uh, so I initially covered it for two months while they were interviewing for the job, um, 
And then I've, I've never left really. I got I interviewed and got the job. Fantastic. So that was in um, 2010. So I've been here nine years. Almost coming up to ten years. years. Yeah. Wow, fantastic. Um, so we mentioned briefly that you do have another role, and that's and I'm particularly interested in this, and that's to do with what's called the super titles. Yes, the super titles. So those are the words that you see appearing above the stage um, when the opera is in a different language, whether mm-hmm. it's in Italian or German, or even in English, we still... Yes, it happens, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, subtitles. Because um, when I first... Because I, I worked um, in subtitling for television for a while, when I first went to opera and saw these, I immediately thought this is an accessibility issue, you know, yes. so that people um, are able to see the subtitles um, for similar reasons to do in television, and I thought, no, that's not, that can't be right. And then, of course, you realise that there's translation involved, mm. and that's maybe the main reason that they started. Has it been happening for a long time, or is it a recent, uh, in, you know, thing? Um, I think it was. I think it was the eighties that um, that they started appearing. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've never. I mean, it was it was um, common right up until then to go and see the opera in a different language and yeah. and have have a written synopsis in front of you. But yes. apart from that, not really have a clue what was going on yeah. and, and who was saying what. I've n- I mean, I've never experienced that and I can't really imagine what it would be like. But, no. but in- initially it started for providing translations for uh, operas in other languages. Um, and for about the past 10, 15 years, we, we've really found a benefit in um, subtitling English operas as well. And are these adapted in a similar... You know, we're talking about how the score's adapted and how the music's adapted... And are the super titles, are they adapted as well? Yeah, so part of my job is to find a translation that the director mm. um, feels fits with his production. Um, and once we've done that, then I create um, a queuing score, which is the vocal score that I talked about, um, where the text is broken up into, um, well slides really slides of text that that fit up on the screen um and that um are there for a you know a, a period that lets you read them mm-hmm. in time but also you need to be careful that you're not giving too much information away that you know that you're not putting up the whole storyline in one slide um or giving away punchlines or um you know um taking away dramatic moments from yeah, the singers. Because I feel that there's a rhythm to them as well, yeah. which kind of fits what's yeah. happening on stage. Yeah. It's not just like, um, uh, say, reading uh, this person did this. There's, the, yeah. there's a, you know, there's the kind of, for want of a better word, the poetry of them that matches yeah. the music. So, so a lot of work goes into them. So um, I, I'm at the all the theatre rehearsals um, and edit them, edit the the speed at which they appear, which they fade in and fade out. So if it's a, if it's a long, slow, sad area that, that they're not going to sort of come blasting up at you, that uh, they sort of fade in yeah. sympathetically with what's happening on stage. Um, and there a lot of work goes a lot of work actually goes into when if you're titling something in English, for example, when we did the magic flute. Yes. Um, that the jokes are appearing at the right time. Yeah, um, of course. Things with Gilbert and Sullivan are really hard to sort of title because everything um, are in rhyming couplets and the punchline comes at the end of the couplet. Yeah, so yeah. 
if you put the whole thing up immediately, then the audience laugh before the singers got to the joke. Which would be so, off-putting at the very so, least for the So a lot of work goes into delay, delaying putting up the line until the right moment, getting a balance right of getting the um, allowing the audience to read the whole thing, yeah. but not giving away the joke at the at the. Yeah, that must be really time. difficult, and things that play on words, yeah. you know, which yeah, that's fascinating. And are you or whoever is looking after them that night? Because it's more than one person, isn't it? There's a few people. Um, so it's mainly mainly uh, myself who operates them on uh, during the performance. So a lot yeah. of people actually think that that we press a button um, at the start of the show and go away. And I go away and have a cup of tea, <laughs> and that, that it just runs itself like a you know a, a video or something yeah. but we actually follow the music and and have to press so you're queuing as you so go along so we're queuing it in time with the singers um and um you know every show is different um so it, well it wouldn't take much for something to be yeah. out of sync would it I yeah well well you know some nights the audiences applaud in a certain place other nights they don't and uh you know singers like to alter their performance each, each right. night and uh, for it to be an individual performance so um, a lot of it is following the music but a lot of it is um, I sit at the back of the stalls so I've got a good view of the, the stage and a lot of it is going on looking at the singers looking at their I look at a lot of their breathing to, to, wow. to kind of anticipate where they're going to um, come in and, and So you must have a real great understanding of everything that's going on on stage in a way because you're, one you're seeing it sounds like every night yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you um, are you know watching how the singers are going. You know how the music obviously is going because you've yeah. helped to work on that. Yeah, That's it's it's a really nice job actually because um, you're seeing kind of the the show being created from lots of different angles. Mm-hmm. So I go, I see the orchestra putting their part together, um, and that's one of my favourite parts of my job actually is what's sitting in the orchestra rehearsals because it's this amazing orchestra yeah, with sure. the conductor and me sitting at a little table behind them so it's it's like hugely powerful wall of sound um coming Incredible. coming straight at you um which is which is amazing and then and then also seeing the um technical rehearsals coming together so the first the first technical rehearsals i go to are when they're um putting the staging together so it's a the, uh, it's only a piano playing in the pit with the singers and that's them getting used to their costumes and the moving scenery and things um, so seeing it from that angle yeah. and then seeing it all everything everything come together is, is really interesting and um, so really you're seeing every opera from the very very beginning because that's when the score's decided and which version is going to yeah. be right to the, the yeah. curtain call on mm-hmm. the last one yeah yeah I think, uh, and, o- and obviously seeing um, every performance. Yeah. I, I think my record is the, uh, I think I saw the Mikado 30, 35, 36 times. Oh, oh that, that is dedication. That was, that was a proper West End production yeah. schedule. So that was eight shows a week, three matinees. And, and that was, that was uh, interesting. You kind of go beyond finding it funny, and then and then come through the other sides, and it starts being funny again. It's like the repetition yeah, of comedy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I get it. Yeah. And do you? I mean, do you get to sometimes give notes of something you've that's happened maybe on a performance, and you say, "Oh, maybe this could change," or is that not something that you would get involved? In? Um, that's not really my role. Place. Right. Um, okay. I mean, I, I am quite good 
position. I just think it's because it sounds like if you see so many, then you know yeah. something jumps out. Yeah, at you. Where, where, where I'm sitting, actually, the the um, assistant director often sits beside me yeah. for the performances because it is a good um, vantage point right, to, okay. to, to spot anything. And um, but no, I I, I don't um, comment on anything like that. So. I mean, I'm tempted to ask you when do you actually rest <laughs> uh, you know because obviously as we know the weekends can be the busiest time for you know you've got matinee performances and evening performances yeah, and all those yeah well luckily Scottish Opera works in uh, you know they've, they've only got one show on at a time so, yeah, so um, there usually is some downtime in between different shows and you know, we've spoken on previous podcasts about the um, touring shows and the educational shows and things yeah. like that and are you involved with as well um, so for the main skill shows obviously I'm at every performance so I mm-hmm. go out on tour uh, with them so I've just been up to Inverness with Tosca in Aberdeen yeah. and um, the Edinburgh run starts today actually so I'll be going through oh, to Edinburgh really? later today to, for, I think we've got uh, four or five shows through there over two weeks uh, but the education shows yes um, it's every piece of music as I said comes through the library so uh, the education shows we're involved with um the small scale touring opera highlights that um, I work with um, our head of music, Derek Clark. So he comes mm-hmm. up with um, uh, normally a wonderful programme of uh, lesser known yeah. pieces yeah. That, that are very um, so you have the interesting source to source. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, so there's a bit of investigation work goes in, normally goes into that um, uh, for some of the more obscure things. Um, and often, uh, not maybe not often, but there are shows which incorporate music which is not standard opera. Um, I was thinking about the Bard and the Mozart yeah. recently, which had Burns songs and things like that. Yeah, well, the music director on that show was um, was great and and sort of did her own arrangements for right. that. So so that was um, that was not as difficult as it could be for, for yeah. me because we have something great working on it that, that provides us with all the music for that. Um, but yeah, there are, are shows like our um, our Bohème that we did a few years ago starts with um, two Josephine Baker songs. Yes. Um, which um, involved quite a lot of investigation work to track down the sheet music for and I ended up... Um, Sadly, not in person, but having to go to the um, National Archives of France to get the original manuscripts from their archives um, and go through the various um, routes to get permission to perform these. So it's, you know, there are some digging work involved to find all these more obscure pieces. So there's always kind of something new yeah. to be working on. Yeah. Something new. Well, um, this has been one of the most interesting chats I've had in a long time because I just had no idea what we were going to discuss <laughs> and uh, it just gives such a great insight into not just your job but what happens in, in mm. Scottish opera so uh, Gordon thank you very much for no, talking sorry, thank to you. us and we'll be back soon with someone else from Scottish opera cheers mm.